Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Sam, how's it going? Appreciate you being here, buddy. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for being on the Mike Litton Experience. This I'm is very cool. excited to be here. So like we talked about before, everyone has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, what I'd like to do is start with where you were born. Yeah, I was born in like Riverside, San Bernardino area. Okay. Um, Is that where you grew up? I lived there until I was 13. Okay. Uh, my dad was working for a company that uh, transferred him to TJ to okay. manage a, a facility out there. So he was driving back and forth every day. That's a drive. Yeah. And uh, ended up getting into a, a pretty gnarly accident. Uh, so after he got out and everything was okay, you know, my wife's, I mean, my mom, his wife was like, we, we should really move to San Diego. Yeah. So moved here uh, right when I started high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So where'd you go to high school? Well, where did you move in San Diego? Uh, we first moved to Coronado. Okay. Um, and lived there for a few months until my parents were exploring the city oh, and sure. seeing where they wanted to end up. Uh, and then we ultimately moved to La Jolla. Okay. Uh, and I went to La Jolla High School for one year. Okay. Uh, my freshman year. And I grew up in private school. Okay. Um, so going to La Jolla High, that first year was my first year of not Probably. being, yeah, not yeah. being in the small classrooms where yeah. the teachers and principals know everything that's happening. Right. Welcome to the culture shop. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so needless to say, I thought I was a free man and yeah. I, you know, I started to act, uh, act a bit wild. So then uh, they moved me to a school in Rancho Santa Fe called Fairbanks Country Day. Okay. Uh, and fun fact, my graduating class was only 11 people. Wow. Yeah. Tiny. Tiny, tiny. I mean, way, way smaller yeah. than La Jolla. Oh, it, was, it was super small. Uh, and I mean, the senior class before me graduating class was one. Oh my goodness, yeah. wow. So I have a lot of ADD and um, never really been book smart, always kind of been more of the street smarts kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, so that environment, it wasn't that like my parents uh, had the means to always keep me in private. Right. They just figured it out because the way my brain worked, like I needed the one-on-one the -on -one and the, you know, work at your own pace type education. Yeah. Uh, so it was really, really impactful for me. Right. Uh, I hated it, obviously, the whole time. You know, everyone else is going to big football games yeah. and, you know, hanging out with cheerleaders, and we didn't have any of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I went there. No, those fringe benefits. <laughs> Zero. 
the, the only benefits, and this was a big part of, I think, why I think so big now, yeah. is I was probably like the poorest oh. or least well-off kid in the school. I gotcha. Um, but, you know, seeing kids get picked up in, you know, all the different type of cars, going to their houses, and just like, oh my gosh, people live like this. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time a, a kid got picked up via helicopter and on a on no the way. field. Um, so it was <laughs> in high school. In high school. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, so that really was a piece, not the whole piece of me starting to think really big yeah. and understanding that. Um, the ceiling's higher than you thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm Persian. I always joke around that, you know, Persians always figure out a way to be successful. Okay. Uh, you know, they came here with, like, my dad came here with nothing, all our family. And I've been around it, like, you know, a lot of doctors and dentists. Um, you know, when you're Persian, you're bred to be a, an attorney, a doctor, a dentist, or in real estate. Right, right. Um, and it turns out that I was never good at school, so being an attorney or a doctor. Sort of wiped some of those out. <laughs> yeah, so the only thing left was real estate. <laughs> and there's um, not a lot of school required for that. There's not, that was, that was a big advantage. Yeah. Um, That's why I'm in that business. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was it was powerful for me to, yeah. to be in that environment and just see possibilities, the way people live, and, and just having that work at your pace type training and or school uh it was good still not a great uh you know test taker never was uh but being in that environment was a, a big reason that i at least got through high school i got you yeah. okay so you get through high school who was growing up who was the most influential person to you my dad Okay. Yeah. By far. By far. Yeah. Um, the thing about my dad is he he taught me the definition of love is always the answer. Okay. Um, That's and a I, very cool thing. Yeah. You know, he uh, the guy came here with nothing. Where did he come from? From Iran. Okay. Revolution happened. Um, my parents met in America, but they both left during the revolution. I gotcha. Um, both thinking they were going to come back. Oh, this oh is yeah. Gonna, you know, this is a temporary thing. This temporary thing. Nearly everybody I've talked to that was there during that time figured they were coming back in a year or two. Yeah. My mom didn't even say bye to her friend. She yeah. just woke up one morning. That's why I've heard that her too. Her parents were yeah. like, yo, you're going to America, you'll be back. Yeah. Never been back exactly. to this day. Um, but I say all that saying, like, he, he came here and he started as a warehouse clerk. Uh, and ended up over his career um, retiring as a senior vice president for a Fortune 500 company. Awesome. And, you know, he would take me to work with him a lot, and I would be in the room when he had meetings. And he, you know, he would tell grown men that he loved them. Oh, wow. And, and I would always what just say, like, you know, and it, it was, at the time I didn't get it. I just thought that that's what you did. Yeah. And I realized that, he genuinely loved everybody he worked with, yeah. and that made them love working with him oh, sure. and like pouring into it. Um, and so, watching him go from nothing to, you know, building a, a pretty good career for himself, and and always leading with love, and always taking care of his people, and um, 
he always, you know, even when he wasn't happy in the direction I was going, he would always, you know, love me through it. Yeah. Um, so biggest inspiration, you know, and I, I always say if I could be half the man, half the father yeah. that my dad is, I, um, I'd be doing pretty well. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Wow. What a great role model. So, so you graduate high school, class of 11, yep. and not you weren't picked up by a helicopter. Uh, no. <laughs> so, drove away right. in a Ford Explorer. Yeah. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Um, so, so, you graduate high school, then what? Graduate high school, um, applied to a bunch of colleges. Uh, I didn't want to leave my parents. And, and this was an interesting time because it was right when my parents were separated. Oh, no. So my dad was moving to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, my goodness. To uh, work for the company he worked for Steelcase, biggest office furniture company yeah. in the world. Um, they were based out of Grand Rapids. Okay. So they were trying to get him to move there forever. Okay. And during the separation and losing, you know, everything in that crash that was timed around there, he was kind of rebuilding and uh, he's like, dude, I, I gotta, I gotta go. Yeah. Not because I want to, but for you guys. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you know my dad, like hanging out with his kids, and his family is the only thing he cares about. Yeah. So to see him make that sacrifice and go there, I knew that I couldn't leave my sister, um, and uh, you know I was committed to staying in a school somewhere close by. So uh, went to Cal State San Marcos. Okay. Um, Great school. I wish I would know. <laughs> I, uh, I went to Cal State San Marcos too. Full uh, it was a great school. You know, when I went there, there was. Three or four buildings. Yeah, uh, but I. They were in a retail space, kind of similar to this. Is that where they started? Yeah. So it was yeah. San Diego State, North County back then. It okay. wasn't Cal State San Marcos. I'm aging my. I'm dating myself. Yeah. Sorry. So I was there a bit <laughs> after you. Um, went to Cal State San Marcos, and again, I, in my bones, I never understood, like formal education. Right. You know, I remember growing up, um, one of the stories that I think is probably quite fitting to get to this next chapter is, uh, I was in maybe seventh or eighth grade and they brought in the, uh, what are those little pigs called? Fetal pigs? Yeah. Uh -huh. And they wanted us to dissect it. Yeah. And I just refused to do it. I'm, yeah. like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So they sent it to the principal's office. It was office. disgusting. It I was just really bad. Refused to do I it. I did it, but I didn't refuse to <laughs> I mean, do it, but I, I wanted to. <laughs> I, I just... One, it was disgusting, yeah. and I just didn't, I refused to do it. Yeah. And they sent me to the principal's office, and they make my dad come pick me up. And my dad never oh. picks me up from school, oh, it's always wow. mom. And I'm sitting in the principal's office as she's, you know, scolding me yeah. and my dad. Yeah. And I look at my dad, I said, Dad, do you honestly think that because I didn't dissect that pig, I won't be successful when I get over, right. older? Right. And she looked at the principal and said, I can't argue with my son about that. Yeah. Um, so I say all that saying, like, I, I just, I literally just did enough to not flunk out. Yeah. So when I got into uh, college, joined a fraternity because it was my first time having a real social 
uh, opportunity coming right. out of such a small place. And your entire life, you were only in La Jolla High for that one for that one famous year. Country day. Or, well, yeah, La Jolla High and a famous country day. Right, yeah. but La Jolla was more of an opportunity to socialize because there were more people. Yeah. But all the rest of these places, they were super small and private Correct. education and the whole thing. So. <laughs> This had to have felt like you were you were busting out and had all kinds of opportunities. Totally, totally. <laughs> and I remember I'm walking by, and I never even thought about joining a fraternity, but the guys come, they recruit me, they invite me to a party, I go, I yeah. see people having fun, I see a bunch of girls, I'm like, I'm in. That's right, that's the recipe for me. I my home. Um, These guys are recruiters, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually probably where I learned a lot of my recruiting. You know? <laughs> but I, cool. I went there um, and I never went to class. Yeah. Uh, and I literally was just, I mean, I was just, I wasn't even drinking at the time, so it wasn't like I was out partying. I just hated school. Yeah. Um, and I hated studying. I hated all yeah. of that stuff because I just, never understood how is this practically going to affect me living like the kids I grew up with in these yeah. different schools. Well, you were, you're an entrepreneur and a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with the fact that college is literally trying to program you. It's like the, it's like the dissecting of the pig, right? The dissecting of the pig thing is not as much the dissecting of the actual pig and what you learn. It's the fact that you have to follow instructions, Correct. right? You're being programmed in college to be a good employee. You're not an employee, you're a business owner. You're a guy that from, from day one, I think, was going to be a business owner. 100%. And so that's, that's, that's the conflict, right? Because business owners are not necessarily very good at being trained on how to be an employee. Yeah. That's what college does. I, I will a lot say- of entrepreneurs have that. Yeah, and you know, I saw my dad just, um, this is not like a woe is me thing, Growing up, my dad was never home because he was on the road all the time. Yeah. And I knew that all my dad wanted to do was be home with us. Yeah. Um, so I always thought like, okay, well, I'm never, ever going to work for someone because I want to be able to control my life. Amen. Now, fast forward to today, I'm on the road all the time. Right. <laughs> well, but, but, but at least but it's, it's on my terms. Yeah. And it's a different, it's a different context. Right, you don't have some corporation, large corporation in this case, steel case, right, telling you where you have to be and when you have to be there, Correct. and making you sacrifice your time with your family. You can choose when your time with your family is going to be. I, I grew up the same way. My dad owned a body shop in Oklahoma, and he was gone all the time. I mean, he was gone 18 hours a day. No exaggeration. Literally gone that much. So when I was playing sports as a kid. I would look up in the stands and dad wasn't there because right. he was trying to put uh, food on the table, right? Yeah. My mother was there and she was loud enough and enthusiastic enough for both of them. Okay. That's great. But I told myself growing up, I'm going to be a dad. And when I'm a dad, I'm going to be in charge of my time and I'm going to be in the stands when they look up. Amen. And so I was, Yeah. right? I was that dad. And that's the thing. It's interesting because it's these little things yeah. over life that yeah. really form the way you think. Yeah. Um, so I, I end up getting into school and for, for my dad, I think he always knew that I wasn't the school type. Yeah. Um, but I would be the first person in our family, meaning all my cousins and you know, everyone that came to America, all their kids are in law school and dental yeah. school, brain, you know, they're becoming brain surgeons. Like, and I knew that 
uh, on the social and family side of things, he really wanted his son to graduate college. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I wasn't going to class, and it, but I, I kept for at least one year uh, cashing my dad's checks through the school. So he thought at least I was still in school. Right. Um, and hung out pretending to go to college for the first year um, and then eventually dropped out because different opportunities came up and it was an easy way for me to justify to my dad, you know, I'm not going to finish college, but I'm going to go do these things instead. Right. Um, but I did hang out with the fraternity for a solid six, seven years. There you go. Um, and got my college experience without actually getting... Um, getting very far in the actual academic part academic of side of it. Right, I got you. Yeah. So, so with the fraternity for six or seven years, what are the opportunities that popped up that, that drew you away? So I, uh, I had some random silly jobs here and there. One of the most pivotal points in my life that ultimately brought me to where I am today is uh, I got a job as one of the free phone guys in the mall. Okay. Remember, hey, free yeah. phone, free phone. Love that. So I got into that, and uh, I, I realized I knew how to sell. Yeah. Um, within a few months, this was a national company. I was top 10 in sales. Beautiful. Uh, every month. And was doing that, eventually started managing a couple of locations at like, I don't, I don't know, 20 years old. Yeah. Um, and this guy that owned a mortgage company came and was like secret shopping to recruit people. Okay. Um, so I got secret shopped by a man that was running a mortgage company here in, um, in Vista and went in for the interview and he kind of walked me through everything. And I remember in that moment saying, if I take this job, I'm going to make money yeah. and I'm for sure never going to finish college. Yeah. Um, so I went and talked to my dad and I did it uh, and then went from the cell phone world to selling mortgages. Mm -hmm. uh, funny story, at the time we were selling uh, second mortgages at 125% loan to value. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I that was my, a run up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. My dad's like, son, you know, you're hurting people. This is bad loans. Right. And I would say, Dad, you don't understand real estate. Real estate always goes up. Right. So they'll call me in a few years, and I'll give them another 125%. Right. And there were years that, that values were going up 10, 15, 20% a year. Yeah. It was wild. Like, crazy. So that mortgage opportunity was really like the beginning of Sam finally finding his way into real estate. Gotcha. Yeah. So you go to work for that mortgage company. You do well, obviously, right? What happens then that draws you away from mortgage? Oh, uh, well, the financial meltdown. I got you. Right? So mortgages... So the Great Recession hits. Yep. And the mortgage business basically evaporates as we knew it. Correct. Right? Go ahead. Yeah. And there was, right before that happened, though, me and the top producer at that mortgage company split off to go start our own mortgage brokerage. Okay. Um, and... I didn't have the commitment to like follow through on things. Okay. So, you know, he ended up just killing it. I was just dabbling around. Then the crash happened um, and went back to cell phones for a little while to figure out, you know, what I'm gonna do. 
um, and I got my real estate license gotcha. and didn't do anything with it. But my manager at the cell phone store at that time wanted to buy a house. Okay. And I was like, well, I have a license. Yeah. Had never done a transaction. Um, so she was kind enough to, to let us uh, be her agent okay. and did my first transaction as an agent. I think I made maybe like a, I don't know, maybe $12,000, $13,000 commission check. Yeah. Um, and I thought I was rich. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you hit the jackpot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm rich. Uh, so I remember calling one of my friends at the time that, that was a successful agent here in San Diego. And I said, hey, dude, I got all this money. Let's uh, let's get into advertising and like let's get billboards and bus benches and really do it, do it to it do it to it. Yeah. And he laughed at me. He said, uh, "Save your money yeah. and go to this event called Mike Ferry Superstar Retreat." Oh, I love it! Yeah. I love it! I love Mike! I love Mike! Um, and so that was what I did. It was my first time going to a seminar in my entire life. Uh, and I just go and I, I fell in love with Mike all around, not yeah. just the stuff he was teaching, but the fact that he was very direct, very yeah. hard, very like, there's no foo-foo, like yeah. get your energy going. It was like, you're gonna come in, you're gonna do the work, and if you do the work, eventually you'll win. Yeah. And my simple brain could understand that. Yeah, there's nothing warm and fuzzy about Mike. Yeah. <laughs> um, or of a drill sergeant. Correct, correct. <laughs> Uh, so that was the the path in, into real estate. Gotcha. I met his daughter the other day. Which one? Um, I don't remember her name to be honest with you. Oh, she yeah. lives in Vista. Oh yeah. Uh, but I I was wa I was walking I was walking a property that was a big time fixer, and the lady across the street walked out of her house and she said, "I'm sorry for asking this, but are you supposed to be here?" And I said, "Yeah, I am. I'm considering buying this, right?" And she said, "Okay, well I hope you buy it." And I hope you're my new neighbor. And I said, well, I wouldn't be your new neighbor. We'd, we'd flip it, you know, that kind of thing. And she said, do you have a second? I said, sure. She goes, step into my office. So I come over and we get in, we sit down. She takes out two folding chairs. We unfold them, we sit down in her garage. I help her unload her stuff. So she has some heavy bags, um, gardening stuff out of her trunk. So I helped her with that because she couldn't lift it, you know. And she said, you know, my neighbor across the street is the daughter of a famous, world famous real estate coach. And I said, oh yeah, Mike Ferry? You know, from what she yeah. said, right? I said, oh, Mike Ferry? And she goes, yeah, Mike Ferry, yeah. That's About great. that time, here she comes. Literally, her Mike Ferry's daughter comes walking up and she goes, hey, he knows your dad, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and she kind of rolls her eyes and she's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows, <laughs> right? You know, type thing, right? Her husband was in Israel at the time. He worked for Mike. So still worked for Mike. Ron Cohen. Uh, yeah. So he yeah. was actually in in Israel at the time, maintaining something out there and taking care of Mike Ferry interests out there and they kind of thing That's that wild. So um, yeah, small world, man. It is it's tiny. So you go to Mike Ferry. Mm -hmm. You love how direct he is, right? They, they make you do any push-ups? I'm joking. No. So right, but you know, right? He's like a drill sergeant, man. It's crazy. So you go to Mike Ferry, you get fired up. Then what? Then. Um, Go back and quit. Okay. Quit the job. Mind you. The I, cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, at the time, I probably had like maybe six or seven grand left in the bank. Right. And I signed up for a thousand dollar a month coaching. Yeah, you did. Company. Yeah, you did. So I um, 
went back and quit and said, I'm just going to do real estate full time. Yeah. My business partner, Oliver, um, he's a little more, he's smarter than I am with <laughs> making quick decisions. He's like, you go get things started. I'll stay here. Yeah. And then eventually uh, he came over as well. And uh, we all needed an Oliver in our life, by the yes, way. <laughs> absolutely. So that was kind of the beginning and, and did that for a while. Yeah. Um, didn't have any success at all my first year. Wow. Um, because I was just pretending to do everything I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I remember one day my coach at the time, he said, Sam, why are you doing this? Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I mean, why are, why are you doing real estate? Why are you getting on these calls and just lying to me and telling me? Like, yeah. yeah, he's like, why are you doing this? And I, for me, the answer was really easy. I said, oh, it's because I want to get a, a CLS AMG, okay. Mercedes. Okay. And he's like, then go get it. Yeah. He's like, because you have to understand that 98% of people do just enough to hit their means. Right. So if you go get it, you'll have the pressure to make sure you can make the payments. Right. Um, Burn the ships, baby. Yeah. Yep. So I go to Mercedes. Um, don't, don't, don't get approved. Like, yeah, right. But I walk across the street to Lexus, and Lexus did approve me for a GS300. The payments were like 600 bucks a month, which for me was, uh, you know, biggest car payment ever. Sure. Um, and that kind of gave me the accountability. and. Never missed a payment, but still struggled. And, uh, you know, mind you, the whole time I had never gone to any other sales training. Like, no Tom Ferry, no Buffini, none of that stuff. Right. And I just stuck with it and stuck with it. Um, and then eventually started to kind of pick up, pick up my stride and um, started to have a little bit of success. Yeah. It does take time. It does. It does take time. You have to work through all that stuff, right? A lot of us call it trash, right? It's stuff that's built up over the years and you're trying to work through it and you're trying to work through it. Not everybody gets into this business completely clear-eyed. No way. Right? They get in and they get going and it's such a shock to the system. It's not like mortgage. It's similar, but it's not like mortgage. It's not like selling cell phones, right? It's a completely different deal. And you're literally on your own. You're self-employed, Yep. okay? And you've got a coach, but if you're if your coach and you, right, if you're not if you're not like completely in sync and 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 complete accountability, like real honest 100 percent accountability, it's rough, man. It is not easy to get going. But but so eventually you get going. Eventually you you start fit you start having some success. Yeah, eventually I you know I figured out ultimately the numbers game yeah right i i digested all the scripts i you know i i i, I was equipped yeah um and started to have a little bit of success and at the time i i was helping a lot of people buy all these foreclosed homes and then watching them flip them for profit Huge profits, uh, yeah. watching them buy them and hold them and, and create really good cash flow and i thought uh Oliver and I were like, we're on the right, wrong side of this equation. Right. So then we went to some seminars on flipping homes. Okay. Um, and kind of understood the concept that you can really do this with no money out of pocket. Right. You know, 
There so are ways to do it. Yeah, there are ways. I mean, and today, fast forward, you know, we buy businesses with no cash out of pocket. Right. right. There's always a way. Um, so, anyways, we jump into that and start um, flipping properties, uh, and still had an, a license and, and was doing transactions, but our main focus was was flipping. And this is when. This is two thousand. About eight ish. Okay. Two thousand eight, nine. Okay. Ten, eleven. We yeah. were doing it for about three ish years. Yeah. Um, so we were just we found a niche, uh, doing really well with short sales and foreclosures, and ended up you know flipping a good amount of homes, uh, and did that for a while, mm -hmm. and uh, that's kind of at the same time what got me into the speaking circuit gotcha. because a lot of the flippers were like, well, how are you guys doing this? Hired a speaking coach and he helped us, you know, create uh, our speaking business, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, so as we were doing the investing, we also ran a company teaching people how to do what we did. There you go. Um, and I always wanted to be a speaker. I, I remember the first time I met Mike, at that first event, yeah. I went up to him and I said, you don't know this yet, but one day I'm gonna be speaking on your stage. Yeah. And he said, go worry about selling real estate first. Yeah, that's a mic, that's yeah. a mic response, yeah. So, um, then the market starts to kind of correct again. Yeah. And the flipping business, it still was there, but it was harder and tougher, yeah. and now everyone's really starting to get into it. True, yeah. Um, There's some, there felt like a flood. Yes. Right, that just, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was in a mastermind, uh, you'll find that one of the biggest common denominators of all the cool and great things that have happened in our lives, mm -hmm. uh, for us, it's tied back to outside of what's in ourselves, me and Oliver, all of it points back to the seminars, the coaches, the masterminds and the books. Yep. Right, that that was my formal education. Yeah. Right. All my friends were getting, you know, their degrees. Law degrees, and, medical degrees. Yeah. All that stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, they were in school. Yeah. I was in seminars and masterminds. Right. So at the market starting to correct. We're in a mastermind called Collective Genius. Um, still around. One of the best real estate investing masterminds out there. Um, and. You know, everybody, we were like the youngest in the group. Right. And everyone starts talking about how they're going to start getting into multifamily mm -hmm. and buy and hold and residual income and all these things. And we're like, dude, that sounds great, but, you know, we really don't have the means to right. really go into that. Uh, so I remember sitting in that master when I was like, man, what can I do that's in real estate that can help me create, you know, reoccurring revenue, um, kind of be different, be a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, and I built a big database of relationships with realtors. Sure. That's how I was getting yeah, properties absolutely. to buy. Um, and I said, man, I, I bet you we could start a hundred percent commission brokerage. Um, and you know, I bet you that we could probably get a few hundred agents and, mm -hmm and come in with all the things that we learn in all these seminars and these masterminds. Um, and maybe two weeks later, 
Oliver and I go to our third partner who still wanted to keep doing what we were doing. Um, and we said, you know, love you, mean it, but we're out. Right. Uh, and then we we started Big Block Realty. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And what year was that? Uh, that was um, towards the, we actually like opened up shop towards the end of 2012. Right. So I thought it was 2012. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you start Big Block Realty, 100% shop. Yep. Right. Then what happens? <laughs> Um, <laughs> then I found myself in the same position I was when I was an agent. Yeah, now it's fun. <laughs> I got a prospect again. Um, but what is this? <laughs> I'll tell you that it was it was the right time. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was the right offer, kinda. But back then, brokerages were not prospecting to recruit yeah at least to the degree they are today right. you know, if, if you if you have an age if you're an agent with a license you're getting two or three recruiting calls a day yeah uh, back then there wasn't a lot of that happening that's correct I um, agree with that. so kind of built out our our business model and our offering and all that and me and Oliver um, just started recruiting ourselves yeah and started dialing 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 um, and you know we probably in our f first six months maybe recruited about 20-ish agents mm -hmm. probably less maybe about 10 um, and I remember there was this uh, imposter syndrome thing happening mm -hmm. in my head mm -hmm. because at the time I'm 29 and I'm recruiting 39 49 59 69 79 year old yeah um, and I'm here to yeah. telling them why they should work for our company. Right. Um, so there was a lot of like mental stuff and, and the drunk monkey and the imposter syndrome. That's so a real thing. It's it's real. I mean, I've lived it. It's and it really never goes away because no. you know if you're doing what you're supposed to do, which is continuing to step up your game, mm -hmm. you're always going to get into a new um, a Actually, new galaxy. Yeah, a new right? place where you where you haven't been and and you don't feel like you belong. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you finally get through that then you're in a new you know yeah. sphere a new galaxy yeah. and uh so if you're not every few years feeling the imposter syndrome something's wrong then you're not really trying yeah. right i um, agree so started recruiting and um and it was going okay and i remember talking to my business partner saying you know i don't I'm about to turn 30, I'm about to get married. Um, I'm gonna give this thing one more year mm -hmm. because like, I, you know, I gotta go live like the kids I saw growing up. Yeah. Um, and I read a book, Four Disciplines of Execution. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just took that and kind of built our new day-to-day, -day, not business plan, but our, you know, our day-to-day -day action plans yeah. and how we're gonna hold each other accountable and what our daily goals, weekly goals, and I really structured more of the just let's call it recruit. Mm -hmm. um, and there was consequences, and you know, all of a sudden, all of us uh, were on this on the same page. Um, and then we decided to hire um, telemarketers to work in house mm -hmm. to just start dialing and recruiting for us. Yeah, they called everybody. You know, I know that. 
How did you know that? They called me. Nice. <laughs> they and called you me. never came in for an appointment? And I'm like, and I own a Keller Williams office with 180 agents in it, and you guys are calling me to recruit me. <laughs> and I never came in for an interview, by the way. That's funny. But I'll tell you this, the more you called me, and this is something you can use, the more you called me, the more I started thinking, I probably should go talk to him. Yeah. And then you and I had an opportunity a few years later to meet and actually, we actually hung out for a day in that advisory council for Baba Doug, right? Um, Manchester at the Union Tribune. The Union Tribune, yeah. That was a that was a cool experience. That was. It was really neat. So, okay, go back. I apologize. So, by the way, my dad told me. My dad told me. He's like, listen, you need to get careful with the fact that you're going to be starting over for the rest of your life. The oh, rest yeah. of your life, you're going to be starting over. So you need to get used to the fact that you're going to have the same uncomfortable feeling that you have when you started junior high, when yeah. you started the first day of, of high school, whatever, right? First day of, of whatever job. Okay? It's never going to go away. Yeah. My dad, who was a body man for 60 years, still is, right? 79 years old, still a body man, still out there, you know, beating, beating metal, right? My dad is one of the smartest people I know, right? And doesn't have a college degree, doesn't even have a high school diploma, but he is one of the smartest people you'll ever meet in your life. I, I mean, that. just the guy is super intelligent. Yeah. And he he told me he was eighteen years. I was eight, he was eighteen years old at the time. He looked at me. He said, "Right now you're looking at me like I'm an idiot, but one of these days I'm going to be a genius in your eyes." And I had to call him a couple of decades ago and tell him he made genius. He made genius. <laughs> you know, this is. Is it okay if we get a little bit off the of story path? Because this is so important. Um, you know, the environment you put yourself in, mm -hmm. uh, to me, is the beginning and end of all success. I agree. Right? Another way to look at it is checking your thermostat, yeah. right? Like, if some of my friends will look at me and they'll say, hashtag life goals, like, mm -hmm. they're killing it, he's got it figured out. I hang out with Roland Frazier that we were just talking yeah. about. I hang out with him and I'm like, I suck. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not I'm not nearly doing as much as I can. Spend three minutes with Jay Abraham and you feel the exact same way. That's right? it, right? I mean, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I say that saying like a lot of people think that if I just get to there, mm -hmm. if I just finally make a hundred grand a year or if I finally get out of debt, or if I finally make a million bucks a year, like once I get there, then all it's, made. and all the feelings are gonna, oh, I'm not yeah. gonna have anxiety, right. I'm not gonna feel stressed, we'll be, yeah. I'm not gonna have imposter syndrome, I'm not gonna be worried about, no, it never goes Life off, will be right? Paid. Because yeah. then, you know the old saying, more money, more problems, yeah. it's real. Yeah. Because now you're worried about losing it, and you're worried about how to get to the next level. That's it. Um, so, and you still have the imposter syndrome. So you still All feel, you still have that bundle of feelings. The difference is, I think, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, the more you get that imposter feeling and force yourself into that position, the better equipped you become emotionally to handle it. Yes. Right? Because you're like, hey, I've been here before. Yeah. Right? I experienced this before and here's how I dealt with it. Okay? It's like the repetitions of mother of skill thing, right? The Tony Robbins deal, okay? I just, I really truly believe that if you continue to strive and you continue to get yourself in that place where you feel that imposter syndrome, over time you get better and better and better at it. It's like they talk about. It's not the destination, it's who you become when you get there, to get there, you know? It's, that's a big deal. It's so true and it's, uh, you know, now 
you've you've coached a lot of agents. Yeah. I've coached a lot of agents. I, I consult for other companies. Um, and there's always something in your life that makes what you're supposed to do to grow your business hard. Yeah. I don't have time because I have a full-time job. Right. Um, I have this, I have that, it's hard. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough I don't money. Have enough, I own enough, enough capital to go out and do the multi-level or the multi-family thing, right? Right. So I don't, you know what I mean? It's like there's always something. Perfect example, you had $6,000 or $7,000 in the bank and you go out and hire a coach, Mike Ferry, for $1,000 a month, right? Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. You, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling. Your coach comes to you and says, go get your Mercedes. You go to Mercedes, they don't approve you. You go across the street and you get a Lexus. Yep. But it's $600 a month, which you know you couldn't afford. Nope. Right? But you bid it off and you burnt. It's practically, it's the same thing as burning the ships, right? It's it like, I don't have an option. I'm either, I'm either going to, I'm either going to make this work or I'm going to learn. That's hundred percent. it. And, and you know, I don't know who told me this forever ago when I was making all these BS excuses. He said, Sam, when it's hard, it's the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Because when you can figure out how to do it when it's hard, then for the rest of your life, it's easy. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. You, know, you do that, the hard stuff now, so the rest of your life is easier. Yeah. And then yeah. when new hard stuff comes up, you'll remember, oh, yeah, I know how to do it when it's That's hard. That's it. Right? That's it. Um, so yeah, that's Sorry, what I'm talking about. Like, no, that's track, okay, but, but that's that's what I'm talking about. It's that it's that it's that experience, right? And that muscle. It's a muscle, dude. It's an emotional muscle. The emotional muscle of I have this imposter syndrome. I felt it before. I've I've been in a place where I had to do the hard stuff. I've been in a place where I didn't have the money. I've been in a place where I didn't have the capital. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like all that all that is something that you work that muscle enough you become great. Absolutely. Right? It's a big deal. It's it a is. a big part it, of this. It's, you know, you, you show me a successful person, I'm gonna show you a person that's gotten their ass kicked. Oh, guaranteed. More than you can ever imagine. Guaranteed. A, a person that's probably one of the more coachable people. And, yeah. um, you know, I always say like, to succeed, you have to be a special type of crazy. Yeah. And what I mean by that is crazy enough to believe that you can do what you set out to do. That's it. Because the world, your friends, your your mom who's trying to keep you safe, mm -hmm. whatever it is, they're going to give you advice. Yeah. And oftentimes the advice is, oh, this won't work, honey, because of this. Or you hey, can't do this because you'll get hurt potentially. Yeah. Or how about go get a real job and have right. a 401k. A salary. All of that stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a difference between advice and counsel. Yeah. Advice everybody has and oftentimes isn't worth much. Right. Counsel is talking to someone yeah. that has achieved where you want to be yeah. and learning from them and quieting the noise yeah. of the news to mom yeah. to sometimes even your spouse, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of advice out there, but if you put yourself in the right rooms, align yourself with the right people, you start to think differently. And well, you get counsel from mentors. Correct. Okay. And those are the people you want to be listening to. Those are the environments you want to put yourself in. hundred percent. And that's, I mean, I, I still, to this day, I spend three, at least three months out of the year in masterminds, yeah. in, you know, with the council, yeah. because it's, it's how your brain starts to extend and, and you learn and Etc. So. Yeah, it's who you associate with. Absolutely. It's that simple. And who you listen to, right? And who you let in. And by the way, what you let in, let's be honest, what you let in is your fault. Yep. You're responsible for it. Yep. Right? 
So the people that spend all this time every day letting all this programming in, right? Because we have so much coming at us all the time. The people who let all that in, it's their fault. It is. Literally. Yeah. Hate to sound offensive. Hate to sound like Mike Ferry. But <laughs> <laughs> everything is your fault. You really you know, is. Like, yes, sometimes you, have control you get over dealt it. a bad hand. Yeah. But other people get dealt bad hands too. Like exactly. You are where you are today because of the decisions you made yesterday. You're going to be judged by how you pick yourself up after you get knocked down. Absolutely. It's that simple. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the story. So 2012, you open Big Block Realty. You're going to get married, right? Yep. You're 30. You're going to get married. You tell all. I'm going to. I'm going to give this another year. Yep. Okay. You're and, 20 agents, right? You just about. And mind you, at the time. I had to um, build websites and do like uh, marketing for hire for other companies to pay my bills. Okay. So I mean, it, it wasn't. So Big like, Block's not supporting no. you to the place. Big Block's where you... costing money. I got you. So you're feeding it. It's an yeah. alligator. Okay. And we never got funding. Um, we just bootstrapped and had the pigheaded determination and just kept going. Right. So then we bring on uh, three or four recruiters okay. that had never had real estate experience, which was important for me. Yeah. I wanted to bring them in and teach them, you know, how we want it done. And Not have to reprogram. Yeah. Correct. Um, and it took, you know, a few months to kind of get that moving. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden, and this is, this was before there was Calendly and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I had one of those uh, big calendars that title gives you, your yeah. desk calendars. Mm -hmm. They would make an appointment, they would go to that calendar, they would write it in. Um, and it got to the point where with probably by the end of year one, literally from nine to five every day, I was just sitting in a conference room like this, mm -hmm. appointment after appointment after appointment. Yeah. Um, and back then we had a 50% show up rate. Mm -hmm. So uh, they would make an appointment and we would do all the follow-up, the reminders, we would send them directions from where they're at. Mm -hmm. to, and we still only had a 50% show-up rate, mm -hmm. uh, and we had about a 40% or so close rate. Yeah. Um, so of the 50%, the 40% you closed? Yeah. Okay. So, so 50% of the total. 20% of the total, okay. which, uh, you know, my that's coach at bad. the time was like, this is really good. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, and I remember, like, the, the most appeals recruiting were older than me. And one of them said, uh, he said, there's two different people. One of them said, all the stuff you're talking about, I don't hear about at my brokerage. Mm -hmm. And that scares a you know what out of me. Mm -hmm. So for that reason alone, it's why I'm joining. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you guys are going to make it. This thing's too good to be true, mm -hmm. but like young kids like you scare the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to align. Yeah. And then the other person said, I don't say anything. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know, yada, yada. But your passion in this presentation is carrying it. Is, I'm, I'm going to believe. Yeah. Um, so we're moving. You know, we end year one at about 50, I think 53 agents. Yeah. Um, and then we finally had our first big name, a big team. Um, came from a notable company mm -hmm. that. You used to work for yeah. them. <laughs> know them, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we recruit this team, mm -hmm. 
And then all of a sudden we had the credibility. Yeah. We're like, look, if she joined and her team joined, yeah. like, so then we were like, okay, this is our first big name. Mm -hmm. Then we pulled the roster of that entire brokerage. Yeah. And we just started calling to say, hey, you probably heard so-and-so moved over. Mm -hmm. A lot of agents have been calling and asking why. Mm -hmm. So that, that gave us like a, kind of a, a, a new approach. Yeah. Um, a little more leverage. A little more leverage. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things over the years that we added on to add leverage. Um, but that was, I don't want to say when things got easy, but when we finally felt like we were in motion. Sort of more of a flow. Yeah. So, by the way, you got my attention. You don't know this, but you got my attention when you recruited that team because your people called me like I was an agent. Yeah. Okay. And I had a hundred plus, more than 150 agents in my office at the time. And they called me up and they said, hey, just so you know, so-and-so just came over. This team just came over from Keller Williams. We know you're with Keller Williams. We just wanted to call and, and touch base with you. And literally when that happened, I thought, you know something? This is like the 15th time they called me. And every single time that they called, I said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to meet with you. I own my own Keller Williams office. I'm not, right? To your people's credit, they didn't listen to a thing I said. They didn't listen to a thing I said, Sam. They just kept calling, okay? And the thing is, you're getting people's attention. Like, you're talking about passion and you're talking about all these things that you bring to the recruiting appointment. Just you, period, being in somebody's presence, there's something you bring that I'm not sure you're, you're aware of, and it's dedication. You have a dedication to what you're doing and to how you're doing it that is palpable. People feel it. I feel it. Okay. I felt it that, that day that we spent with pop in Papa Doug's office. Yeah. Right. And, and the more I got phone calls, the more I paid attention, the more I paid attention to what it was that you were doing. And there were times when I thought, you know, I'll go down and just, just interview with them. Yeah. Just, 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 going to, on just, just sit down and, and let them do their thing and see how they see how good they are. Yeah. Right. I never did, but I thought about it. I certainly hey, thought about it, and I think it was the fifteenth or sixteenth time you guys called me, right? <laughs> Sorry, but, but no, it was fine. You don't need to apologize. I was never upset. I just kept telling them I own the Keller Williams office. I'm good, you know, right type thing. But but they just kept calling. You know, and that's a big deal. It, it is. It's kind of like you know, as an agent, you farm, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually, they see your flyers so much, and then they see the open house sign, yep. and then they see the for sale sign. Yep. And then, like, now you've planted that flag That's in exactly brain. it. That's exactly and it. And for us, you know, we got this team, and I, then we realized, like, we had called almost all the agents, right. right? But now we're at the point where almost everybody has heard of somebody made the move. Oh, right. so-and-so, my friend, or so-and-so from my office. So our, our credibility, because of our just pig-headed determination of not stopping and continuing to call, uh, eventually, like, our credibility grew because they were watching other people come over. Yeah. Um, and that really started to give us some more momentum. Yeah. Um, it I, all adds up. Yeah. And, you know, then year two, I think we landed at 100 and almost 60 agents. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we started doubling for the first, you know, handful of years. And then after a while, it gets really hard to double. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know where we want to take it from here. It's okay, it's okay. So 2012, 2013, you're now at 160 agents, right? Yeah. You double to 300 plus the next year, okay? Yep. So, so what happens after that? So you start sort of, you're feeling the flow. You're starting to, you're starting to see this momentum. You're starting, by the way, just real quick, I would disagree with the pig-headed thing. I would call it dogged, okay? You just, you just tucked your head and you just went after it. Yeah. And that, that to me, that's determination. And that's how you win in any marketplace, in any industry, no matter what it is. Okay. You look at anybody who's succeeded at a very high level, they have done the work day after day after day after day, and they didn't take no for an answer. They just kept coming. Yep. They just, right? And eventually, you're more committed to being in business with those people than they are to not being in business with you. So true. Right? Yep. And eventually, that dedication wins out. That's what I feel like is your winning formula, but I feel like it's everybody's winning formula that succeeds at a very high level. Just That's just my Thank take you. on no, it. I so, appreciate that. And I couldn't agree with it more. It's, yeah. um, it's the difference maker. Yeah, it you really know, is. If you don't quit, how how could you, if you don't ever stop, how could you ever quit? Exactly. I mean, fail. Exactly. Right? Like for me, it was just like, the only way you fail is if you quit. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so, so you get to 300 you get plus. to about three, well, 250 was, I found that there was these certain like just ceilings that would happen at every about 250 ish. Gotcha. So every chunk of 250 seemed like impossible to break through. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we got to 300 in year three, but we got close. You were close. I think you we were, were close. close. Um, and then we really started to lean in more into the, you know, be everywhere, omnipresent type yeah. stuff. So any agent that came in and met with us, we would always ask them for their, their personal mailing address mm -hmm. uh, so we could send them a thank you card. Then I, I literally started to put just funny and different pieces in the mail to them mm -hmm. every single week. Yeah. Um, handwritten envelopes, real stamps. We just, we started to say, okay, they know we exist, they haven't joined yet. And this is the time at year three where people that we met with year one, mm -hmm. two years later, they're like, dude, sure. I met with you guys a year ago, now I'm ready. Yeah. And that was an aha for us. We're yeah. like, okay, there's people that are on the sidelines that are just watching, mm -hmm. or there are people on the sidelines that at the time were genuinely happy where they were at, right. but something changed. Yeah. Um, so we're like, okay, we need to not forget about the fact that we're not selling you know, the new iPhone 15, and if you have a new 14, you're just gonna go buy the 15 because right. it doesn't matter. Right. This is how they feed their family. This mm -hmm. is where they work. They have to transfer the license. So when we started to really understand that this is a longer game, mm -hmm. then then we started to play the long game. Yeah. And, got and that was a real shift for you. Yes. That was a real shift in how your company did, period. Because once you grasped that, once you got a hold of that, and the other thing that was happening was the market was shifting too, right? And so, and like we talked about before we started all this, when the market shifts, realtors start looking at where they work. Right. That's the first thing they look at. They're like, oh, this is broken. I need to look at, at my options. The beautiful thing about what you were doing was you were always top of mind because you had people making calls and you were sending the mailers and all that. You were constantly staying top of mind. 
right? Yep. You're constantly working that, it, Buffini calls it Play-Doh, right? You constantly are working it. If you just leave it sitting there and you don't do anything with it, it gets hard and brittle and it's not Play-Doh anymore. It's Correct. just pieces of clay, right? But if you work it and keep working it, it responds. That, that's exactly it. And um, we started to do a lot of free seminars. Yeah. Um, and we would bring people in, even if they weren't with our company. The main goal was to bring agents that yeah. weren't with us. And we would teach them things that just at the time weren't being taught in brokerages. Right. And I remember telling the team, I said, if we can provide enough value to an agent before they join the company, we're going to cause them to think, what's going to happen after I join the company, yeah. right? So we went really heavy on, on the front, you know, the top of the funnel, so to speak, yeah. and putting out education, started doing socials, like, or we would just invite everybody and we're like, let's, let's make this come to life at the top of the funnel with more education, more get togethers, more all that stuff, which is frankly unquantifiable. Like you don't know how it's going to work. Um, and, and that started to work with us. Um, so we just went heavier and heavier with that. And, and almost really helped us in the beginning, we were trying to step into the mold of what we thought a brokerage was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, no, like we're, we're gonna be us, yeah. right? Um, I'm going to be Sam and Oliver's gonna be Oliver and we're gonna create an environment that's a reflection of us. Right. And there's gotta be, you know, a few thousand weirdos like us mm -hmm. that like this environment. And, and we just went really heavy with that. And, you know, then we started to get more and more of the teams and more of the notable agents um, and and just kept kept pushing on that gas. Full disclosure, I went to a few of your a few of your educational events. Good. That you did that you had like it at. Um, um, oh, what's the name of that place? It's um, choice choice view. Not choice view. You know, what I mean. down by the down by um, Mission Bay. Oh, the I'm trying to think of the name of it. Anyway, yeah. But you guys had you guys had like a regular series of things that you did these yep. these seminars on. And I went down and attended a few of them because I'm learning based, right? I, I believe in, in lifetime learning. Yes. And there were some things that you guys in fact Spencer Lugash, who used to work with you, um, Spencer was actually teaching a few of those. And yep. I like him. I like his his style and I liked the information that he delivered and that kind totally. of thing. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was, you were always top of mind with me because I actually went to those. So that awesome. was cool. Yeah, Thanks it was cool. It was cool. So, um, then the, the next kind of breakthrough for us is we joined a mastermind that Roland Frazier ran, yeah. uh, called War Room, which was, uh, a digital marketing mastermind. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the people in that room, you know, like people from Shark Tank are members, mm -hmm. like really, really high level. And we were the only people in there that were in real estate and we're learning how all these other companies uh, that are selling widgets and education and all these different things, mm -hmm. how they're going out and they're acquiring their customer. Mm -hmm. And we brought that in to the real estate recruitment brokerage world, um, which at the time, again, we were one of the few people that we're creating online recruiting funnels and retargeting and all these sort of things. Um, and, and that really um, kind of took the game to the next level for right. us. 
we were literally omnipresent. We were in their mailbox. We were online. We were uh, retargeting them all around the internet. I remember one time my uh, father-in-law um, calls me and he says, you know, he lived uh, in Arkansas. <laughs> and he calls me, he's like, dude, I'm on the Survivor TV show website right now. And I just saw a big block realty ad like, you guys must be killing it. How much is that costing you? I'm like, let's just say your daughter married the right man. Yeah. But he didn't know, and a lot of people back then didn't know that he was just retargeted. Correct. Right? So like all of a sudden, we we had this brand yeah. that to the average person, and still today to a lot of people, they really don't yeah. understand retargeting. All it's of a sudden, they're brilliant. like, oh my gosh, Big Block is everywhere. That's right. Um, so then the online uh, leads mm -hmm. just really started to flow in. Um, and, and that was when things, we still haven't figured it out, right? There's still a lot more to figure out, even talking to you today. But that's when I remember thinking, I think we figured this thing out. Like, yeah. we, we got all these different At channels. At least the next step, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just like everything else. You take the next step and you learn. Correct. Right? You, you go into it thinking it's going to be like this, and it's not. But you figure out a way to deal with it. You pivot and you keep going, right? 100%. Like the imposter syndrome thing, right? You're back to that, right? It's just, you just figure it out and you move on. So, so you're at, so now that gets us to what year? So we're at, you're retargeting, you're, you're doing the things you're doing. That's just recent, right? That's just the last few years. That was probably, I'm going to guess about five years ago. Yeah. So it was right before COVID. Oh uh, no, this was three years probably before COVID. So okay. So maybe probably seven, six, eight years yeah, ago. So, okay. Um, and my timing is off, but I remember one of our mentors, Corey Boatwright, who's a big real estate investor, mm -hmm. he was flying through to San Diego yeah. um, and he asked us for dinner and we're at dinner. He said, yeah, me and John Cochran and another one of our buddies are going to Hawaii for a month. Mm -hmm. You guys should come. Mm -hmm. And we look at each other like, one, I don't think we can afford it. Mm -hmm. uh, but two, like we can't leave our business for a month. Mm -hmm. Like we can't do that. And, you know, he did a lot of coaching. Uh, the reason I bring this up is we ended up leaving a week, uh, a few days later to spend two weeks with them and just mastermind and hang out in, in Maui. Um, and in those two weeks, that's when we just built all of our online funnels. Okay. Um, and that started a new routine with me and my partners where usually we try to go once a quarter, but at least a few times a year we go get an Airbnb on the water somewhere mm -hmm. and we lock ourselves in the house for like a week and mm -hmm. just work on the business as opposed to in, in the, the business. business yeah. um, so That's that was, smart, man, because this business is so high maintenance. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You're in the office and you're, you're coaching, you're training and fires. staff. And, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I want to say that was probably six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Maybe longer. It all blends together, but that's for some reason, 2018 started. just is in my mind. But maybe I'm 2018. Maybe I'm off. Maybe it was 17 or maybe. It, but it was right. It was right in that general area. Yeah, I want to say it was two, 2000, uh, 13, 2017 is when we made the Inc. 500 list the yeah. first time. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, we were number 26 fastest private going companies in America. Um, and that gave us a big megaphone. Yeah. Um, 
so then we really went heavy, right? Everybody in the world needs to know yeah. that we're the 26th fastest growing company. And then the following year, 31, following year, 33. So we, at that point, really just, it takes you a while to figure out your online campaigns. Once we figured them out, we just started to pour gasoline on them. Yeah, it's a it's a hit and miss thing, right? You're oh, hitting yeah. and you're missing and you're hitting and you're missing and then finally you find it. And when you find it, then it's like off to the races. Correct. Cool. That's yeah. cool. So so you get that done, you go to you go to Hawaii for two weeks, you come back, what happens then? Well, I came back expecting that the business was gonna be on fire and all the bad things were gonna happen. And the recruitment team actually had the best two weeks they ever had while I wasn't there. No way. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What yeah. was that about? Um, I think I just got in the way. You know, I, I you know, nobody can do it better than me type right, thing. Right, right. Um, and I also think that they, I like to think that they wanted to kind of make us proud. They wanted to show like, hey, we got this. Like, and, and that. That's a cool thing. That was really cool. It was, it was really, really nice. Um, and that's when we really started to start thinking about scaling the business uh, because Sam realized I don't wait I don't have to be, be here every single day doing all the recruiting etc and we hired um, a little bit after uh, Maui maybe two years or a year later we hire uh, this guy Corey Rozier who we've known forever mm -hmm. um, and he started as a recruiter uh, and now is vice president, partner in all of our companies. Mm -hmm. um, and he came in and just, just did so well recruiting. Um, and all of that as it came together is when it really allowed uh, me and Oliver to kind of step, I don't want to say off the org chart, but really kind of get off the org chart mm -hmm. so that we can sit above it. You know, mm -hmm. they say in, in an entrepreneur's cycle, to complete exit and freedom, there's like four or five exits that happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, uh, forget it, but the second exit is when you get to get off the org chart, right? right? Um, and that's, that's where I've been playing now for the past three years. Um, and you know, a lot of people will be like, dude, I, you know, what's going on? Are you, what are you guys doing? Um, and I've just, you know, like Dr. Dre said, I've been in the lab with a pen and a pad, yeah. um, just really focusing on, you know, where does Big Block go next? next? Yeah. You know, we have really large market share in San Diego and um, trying to figure out where do we go from here. Yeah. Um, so then we, about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, started franchising. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's been great. Uh, have now offices. Um, pretty much sold everything from north of San Diego, almost all the way up to Bakersfield, mm -hmm. um, and one in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of our beginning of moving outside of San Diego. Right. Um, and today, really focused on. Uh, national expansion through corporate okay. so we're opening up Florida and Texas mm -hmm. uh, we already did just we haven't even made a formal announcement so this is the formal announcement there's a formal announcement yeah. baby you got um, your scoop you heard it here first uh, and we're 
you know, doing that and also uh, going out and, and acquiring mm -hmm. brokerages and, and, you know, real estate companies, uh, which is kind of where our main focus is today is national expansion through recruitment and corporate efforts as, as well as um, recruiting a lot of brokerages. I mean, acquiring a lot of brokerages. Yeah, that's cool. So that's the next step for you. Yeah, that's that's what gets me really excited, yeah. and it, you know, it's that next step. It's yeah. that next, you know, uh, the, the next aura or galaxy, rather, we're talking about, um, and it's, I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. I feel like I'm pretty damn good at it. Um, Obviously. <laughs> so so yeah, we're buying. Uh, brokerages, mortgage, escrow title, um, and, and working on on that quietly behind the scenes. We've bought you know, quite a few brokerages that um, don't even know that they've been acquired. Yeah. Um, and we don't plan on making any changes for a while until uh, we get to the, the next evil plan. Right, um, next evolution. The yeah. next evolution, yeah. So then really working on that and and before COVID, I was out speaking all the time on the road um, and doing a lot more of that because yeah. the more I build the personal brand, mm -hmm. um, the less friction, it's, it's a big lever. Yeah, right? it really is. It, it creates this huge lever of uh, being able to open up new territories, acquire you know companies, and um, it, you know, just kind of makes things easier. That's cool. Takes me away from the family, which sucks. Yeah, that's that's a rough yeah. that's a rough deal. But, but when they're older, well, they'll, it's, they'll think. the difference is it's on your own terms. Correct. Right. So you're not you're not forced to miss them. You're choosing to miss them. Correct. Right. But you're also able to pick when you're here, and yeah. that's a big deal. It is. You know, it's everyone talks about trying to find balance. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe balance exists. It doesn't. Um, but I believe sacrifice does. Yeah. Right, um, so most of October I'm going to be on the road. Yeah. Most of October I'm sacrificing being a really good family man mm -hmm. um, to be a really good businessman. Yeah. And then most of November my phone's going to be on do not disturb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to be, be sacrificing yeah. being a good businessman um, to be a good family man. Yeah. And in those moments, you know, like when I'm out in a different country or in a different state and I'm missing the kids and I'm trying to find balance, yeah. I'm gonna go crazy. Yeah. But instead I remind myself like, no, right now you're sacrificing this and tomorrow you'll sacrifice that. Yeah. Um, so that's really helped the, the mental side of it. And, and when I am home, you know, my partner, Corey will tell you, my partners get upset. After like four o'clock, you can't get old to Sam. Mm -hmm. His phone's on do not disturb, it's on the kitchen counter and I'm playing Barbies with my daughter, playing basketball with my son, whatever it is, and really focus on um, having such a strong presence that when I'm there, uh, it matters. Yeah. And when I'm not there, having such a strong presence that's present even when I'm not present. Yeah. So you mind if I share something with you? Yeah. So my children are now 23 and 24. Michael's gonna, Michael, our oldest, is going to be 25 in three weeks. And we're talking to you in September of 2023, by the way. Um, and I talked with both of my kids individually 
Um, three years ago, I, I flew up to Nebraska. Michael was a senior in, in college. And um, I, went, I took him to breakfast at his favorite breakfast place, just he and I. And I asked him, I said, Michael, if there were no barriers, if there were no restrictions, if, if, if perfect world, what would you do for a living? He said, Dad, I would work with, I would, I would invest in real estate with you. Nice. And I thought, you, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I never dreamed in a million years that he That's would so do special. that. Right. And I said, Michael, why? And he said, Dad, you have no idea how magnetic you are when you talk about investing in real estate. It's just, it's palpable, man. It's like everybody wants to be a part of that, right? That's great. So I asked him, I said, so, and I, and so today, it's Monday, today my daughter came to work with me officially. Nice. Yeah. So Congratulations. it's crazy, man. That's it's crazy, so right? So the thing is, they grew up watching me run that Keller Williams office, right? So they saw the not so pretty side of real estate, right? Right. And I thought that would absolutely exclude them from ever being a part of this. They want to be a part of this. They want to be a part of what we're doing. They want to be a part of the podcast. They want to be a part of the YouTube channels we're building. I'm writing a book starting January of 2024. I have a ghostwriter that I've secured. We're writing a book on home ownership. That's great. Okay? Because I'm just crazy enough to think that I can drive the narrative to these millennials that don't want real estate. They don't like it. They don't trust it because when they were kids, the Great Recession happened and yeah. they watched all this, right? They, they had watched this PTSD. their parents and their grandparents right. and their uncles. So we're writing a book on what happens if you buy a house and something goes sideways. You can recover and here's how. So literally it's a, te it's a textbook handbook for them that they that their parents can give them so that uh, so that real estate, owning a home becomes part of the American dream. That's smart. And I'm like just it. crazy enough to believe I can drive that national narrative, right? So right, so they're getting excited about what it is that we're doing. Kind of cool. That's great. But I'll tell you what the key was, if you don't mind me sharing Please. it with you. I involved them in every decision we made. So if I had to go, if I had to go to Meg Agent Camp in, in Austin, Texas, if I had to be somewhere, I would sit down with them ahead of time and I'd say, look, I want you guys to understand, I would be here if there was, if there was any way to make this work, I would be here. I have to go do this because I have to provide, right? Okay, and I asked them a lot of questions that pulled out of them the fact that they got it. They were on the same page with us, right? That's a big, big deal. It you is. can involve your children in why it is that you're gonna be gone all of October, right? And ask them questions in terms of, and pull out of them why it's important to them, you're good to go. I, I appreciate that. It's and awesome. And I agree, I, you know, I try to do that a lot, and. And they get it, yeah. you know, but they also, they're six and eight. I remember just the other day, uh, my daughter's like, it's an event I'm putting on, right? So I'm gone for a few days and she's like, but daddy, why do they make you do that? Right. I'm like, honey, like, you know how you get to go to Disneyland every two weeks with mommy? Yeah. And you know, how this, that, and the other, you know, I'm talking, it's because daddy, you know, does this. Right. So we can do all these other things. Right. And she's like, yeah, I get it, but why do they make you do it? Right. And I'm like, honey, you know, so I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. Right. It's, my son gets it now. The more they understand it though, the more they're involved and engaged, yes. the more they understand it, they take ownership of it, Sam. It's one of the coolest it. things ever, right? And all of a sudden it's not, oh, daddy, why do they make you do it? It's, daddy, I'm glad you're doing this. 
you know? Yeah. And when you get to that point and they get it, it's like the light goes on and it's just the coolest thing. I love it. I'm going to share one last thing with you, then we're going to wrap up. Okay. So the Bike Litton Experience, the name of this podcast, Chris Dietz named it. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I used to train when Chris was with KW in Chula Vista. I used to train in his office and he called it the Mike Litton Experience. That's great. And I was in his office one day and I go, hey, dude, one of these days I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to name it the Mike Litton Experience. And he's like, yes. Awesome. Good job, Chris. Good job, Chris. <laughs> That's great. I <laughs> Thanks, buddy. That. I appreciate Thank you, you so being much. here. Appreciate Thanks, you. Thanks for your time. When you launch that book, let me know how we it, can support it. It means the world to me. It really does. Thanks again Thank for your you. time. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.